What kind of spider would the Bible be? Milk. Milk, milk spider. Because it's white. I don't know. A trapdoor spider. Because it's, yeah, it's a trap. But it's an old world. Because there's old worlds and new worlds. Well, it should be new world is what the Bible should be. That's a New Testament spider. <laughs> Have we gone too far? Speaking of the Bible. Welcome to this week's episode of Watch No Evil. This is Matt. And this is Zach. And today we're going to be taking a look at the 2018 American Gothic Supernatural horror film, The Nun, which is essentially a prequel to The Conjuring series, giving us the backstory of the demon Valak, who appears as a nun to Ed and Lorraine Warren. This takes place in Romania and follows the story of a convent that has been beset upon by this newly released demon evil that they had once kept hidden. Zach, I want to start a little differently. Okay. What do you think of this movie? I actually like this movie. It kind of like checks all the boxes for me when it comes to horror movies. It's like I, I like it. I, I like to be scared. And I feel like this is actually a scary movie. Like it's got jump scares. It's kind of a cheap scare, but it's got a demon that has like a bit of a backstory to it. So there's like a bit of like that mysterious aspect. It's got the um, kind of like darkness to it that I really enjoy. It's not super campy and we all know how i feel about camp uh it's got like some national treasure kind of vibes with the the blood of christ so i i like it i think that there was so much hype around this movie that having not seen it until this as the first time i didn't know what to expect and so i feel like i can only really express to you what i think about this movie through a song oh my god it's creepy. <laughs> okay, first we've got the girl who's looking for a horror story. So I can make this movie scary, but she's actually kind of boring. I miss Lauren and Ed Warren. Wish this film was just more gory. Thought the battery was okay, but I'm not talking about more. Yeah, we watched this Tuesday night. We were looking for a Friday, and I was hoping for a heavyweight. But this is kind of light. Demon not haunting a castle. I'm just looking for a fight. And the only way to stop her is with the blood of Jesus Christ. Call that a day set. <laughs> Oh, that bops. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. Very well done. So you think it's kind of light? I think it's kind of light on the scares. I, I don't know. I think it was just that I had expectations about it. I also think that in general, it moved really fast. And the thing about mm -hmm. it moving really fast is I didn't feel like I was necessarily ambiently prepared for the scares because i think a lot of what makes a good horror movie is the build-up rather than the like mm -hmm. jump scare and there wasn't a lot of build-up before the scares which makes it really action-packed yeah that is the thing is they're not shy about showing the nun like <laughs> two minutes into the movie i wonder if like maybe if they had hidden the nun's face or form for a while horror movies do it sometimes where it just shows like the outline or like the silhouette of the creature or demon it then makes a larger impact when they actually show its face or full form later on 
I think that the difficulty with this comes from the fact, too, that it is a, a spinoff prequel sequel to The Conjuring, and we get so much of the nun in The Conjuring 2, especially, that it felt like they didn't want to spend a lot of time in the exposition of the nun and its form, Valak, as, you know, the creature here. Mm -hmm. And so I think that they got to the scares really quickly. The thing that I'm sort of interested in, then, is the perception of the demon as a nun sort of begs the question as to why that's the form that it takes. So I think they go into this a bit, and I kind of wish that they had spent more time on it, because I, I love me a good, like, demon origin story, and what, what is this demon's ambition? What drives this demon to do what it does and, and haunt the people and, you know, sow evil into the world? It's Valak the Defiler. What do we think of in popular media as more pure than a nun, mm -hmm. right? And besides, you know, like a baby, which is usually, like, the sacrificed, like, innocent kind of thing, but um, they do enough of that in The Conjuring. So, you know, what are we going to defile? Well, religion's really easy to defile, and nuns can be kind of creepy, and you can really play around with religion a lot, because there's already a lot of creepy subject matter with Catholicism. It's just so easy to defile because we think of it as, like, the antithesis of evil. Yeah, it's the ultimate form of the sacrosanct. Balak is, like, a real demon that is mentioned. In the yes. Infernal Dictionary, like, it has a real backstory. So it's interesting that it was sort of chosen. I think that what I like about this movie is that it is very action-heavy, which a lot of the other movies aren't. So there is a lot of drive to the film. And it's also a really small cast. So you get mm -hmm. to really learn about them and sort of care for them on an intimate level, which is true of The Conjuring and The Conjuring 2. And I think that they intentionally keep the cast really small because of that. The biggest thing in this film and the, the highest praise I can give it is the twist that none of the other nuns were real ever. Yeah, and I feel like that's actually kind of a clever, well, not only a clever twist, but also like clever in the fact that they kind of like wrote out a body count in keeping the cast small, but then also like that kind of increases the body count because it's, you know, retroactively mm -hmm. because it's like, oh, they've, they've all been killed by this thing. I had no inkling that that was the case. They did it in a way where it was just like, oh, dang. So, like, I assumed that some of the nuns were, like, fake nuns or not real nuns or, like, visages. So, uh, late into the movie when they all go into the sort of open area where they have to have someone maintaining prayer at like a constant rate chapel. yeah in the chapel and they have the one nun that is dead my assumption was that that nun wasn't really dead and that she was an image created by Valak. and then all of these other nuns come in and i was like wow there are a lot more nuns in this castle than i thought that there were and then it does the big reveal that it's like oh none of this was ever real and this was just sort of created for her because in a way it seems like the demon is trying to ruin nunhood for our main character as well playing a little bit on the fear of what being and becoming a nun means 
you know, so yes, all the nuns are dead, but there's also the abbess. Do you think that she's actually alive? Do you think she's like kind of like a remnant of Valak's presence? Like what, what is her deal? I do think that she was a construction. And I actually thought when we first saw her that she was going to be a construction. That was the only one from the beginning that I was sure was not or never was real. It was essentially like this reanimation of this corpse that is then speaking you know outwardly yeah with the snakes yeah with the snakes (laughs) i think that was also like a compelling thing because you know it was mostly burke that dealt with her and he also has this backstory with this boy daniel who he was not able to save the boy was exercised because he was thought to be possessed the complications from the exorcism i guess killed him so he was like not able to save him so he's seeing these images of daniel especially with like a snake coming out of his mouth and it's definitely you know it's definitely valak messing with him yeah and we see in that book that irene looks at that valak is like a snake-like demon mm-hmm. and we we see a bunch of snakes throughout this thing it's like kind of cool and then also at the end with frenchie and or maurice or you know whatever you want to call him we see that he ends up being possessed he's the one that's in that slideshow in the beginning of the conjuring when ed lorraine warren are presenting at whatever like college they give us some backstory on this guy sorry i forgot why i even brought that up it's because they show the snake kind of like going out of the nun's mouth and into his so then that he becomes kind of like the the vessel Mm -hmm. which is a lot of what the demon was trying to do was find a vessel that would allow it to escape which is why it was trying to take the nuns which is why the nun uh jumped off of the top of the abbey to sort of, like, sacrifice herself so that it wouldn't be possessed. Well, I think the the nature of Valak, too, being the defiler, is, like, ideally the vessel he has is something that he can defile. So that's why he doesn't immediately possess... He doesn't possess Irene, because she hasn't taken her vows yet. Or he... It doesn't possess Father Burke or Maurice right away either. Maurice is kind of, like, portrayed as, like, a ladies' man. He's definitely not something that can easily be defiled... In that same kind of way, he's not as pure by conventional standards. So I think that's why we don't see that happen right away, which is, you know, kind of smart on on the writer's part, I think. Well, too, I mean, ultimately, it is a trap, I think, set by Valak from the beginning because Sister Victoria, knowing the propensity that this demon has for possession, takes her own life by jumping off the castle, which is a sort of easy solution for anybody that is going to be possessed in that way. And I think that had Irene and Father Burke known that Maurice had been possessed, they wouldn't have let him leave. But it is the fact that they don't know and that there was a climactic ending. There was this great battle where they thought that they had won. It sort of ends the suspicion. And so that's why Maurice and Valak are so much easier able to leave the Abbey. It -hmm. it seemed like it was a ploy from the beginning to be like, ah, you won. I am slain. You know, like he... Mm-hmm. It, it's fake. They say in the Conjuring movies, you know, these demons, they, they pull tricks like that all the time. They're not, not so easily slain and, you know, dispelled from our world. I think that also, since you brought Sister Victoria, you know, she's the one that they find in the beginning. The undead nuns that are nun spirits or whatever <laughs> that they are that are talking to Irene. They say, you know, oh, Sister Victoria, she committed the was it like the greatest sin or something because you know suicide is not viewed lightly in the mm-hmm. catholic church but um, it's not suicide it's martyrdom 
they like right. they pull that spin on it. It is a kind of a noble sacrifice for the purposes of trying to keep evil at bay, which is exactly what they even say that they're doing at that abbey there. That's why an abbey was built there and why they have to pray constantly to keep this evil in its container. And I guess, you know, going back to the snake image of Valak and, you know, he's, he's got a snake thing going on. We do see like the Ouroboros insignia all over the castle. Yeah, it's interesting how much Dante's Inferno sort of informed the Catholic canon on religion and the idea of suicide because mm -hmm. one of the things about Dante's Inferno is the woods of suicide that are constructed of the people who uh, committed uh, physical violence against themselves, who forsook the value of their own bodies, and it also is housed by uh, people who forsook the value of their own goods, who are chased by dogs through the forest. But the only way that the trees, which the people who committed suicide become, can speak is by being cut open and so they can speak for as long as the the blood is flowing from the trees but the biggest thing about the suicide forest in that it is constructed of people who refuse to accept what they did to others in doing so because they're one of the only groups that have the ability, if they ask God for forgiveness and if they acknowledge their sin, are allowed to go to heaven eventually. It's like that's the only group that can mm -hmm. actually ascend, which then makes, you know, the, the sacrifice that Victoria makes in The Nun really interesting because it does skew the lines of what actually her sin was and it wasn't a sin but it also kind of was a sin that then she committed a, a defiling of the self that assured that valak couldn't be the defiling one couldn't possess her body but she died but she also still has the chance to go to heaven and there is no need to like acknowledge the sin because there is because she acknowledges what the sin is and it becomes an act of martyrdom in the same way that Technically, Jesus allowed himself to die. Yeah. Right. So you get yeah, into like a really interesting, almost like I, I want to say like religious miasma. Yeah, it's definitely a philosophical kind of conversation that you could have about that. I want to know more about her. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> About Victoria? Yeah. Well, yeah, and it's definitely a decision to make, and it makes you wonder. Demons, we see it in other movies, like, for example, paranormal activity. They always say, oh, you can you can move across the country, you can you can go wherever, but the demon's going to be with you. Mm -hmm. It's attached to you, not the physical place. And this seems to be the opposite, where it does seem like Valak is kind of bound to this castle unless attached to a person. I wonder if that's what all the crosses around the abbey are all about because Frenchie, when they first kind of like walk up and you know, there's all these creepy crosses, you know, like <laughs> shoved in the ground and it's not where the cemetery is. Cemetery has its own crosses and its own kind of area. But, and he says, it's not, not to keep evil out. It's to keep it in. Yeah. Keep the evil in, not out. That's the implication of like Valak can't leave unless inside a vessel like Frenchie. Yeah. 
Because we always think of demons as being like outside of physical space, like they're Mm -hmm. transcendent of our world's physicality. But when you involve religion and the paganistic, like ritualistic kind of side of religion that we see in one, like the satanic ritual of the guy who built the castle, but also, you know, the the, the parallels of how they're placing the crosses on the other side of that fence is interesting Mm -hmm. to me. Yeah, there's a broader discussion about religion in this movie that I think could be had that they don't ever really get into because another thing that I really wish that they had gotten into was Sister Irene's visions. Like, it's a matter of the divine. She's definitely got, like, Messiah syndrome. Right, well, it's very Joan of Arc, right? Yeah. Yeah, and... She's, yeah, she's, like, the divine chosen one. She is being gifted these horrifying visions by the divine and then it culminates in her taking her vows and having uh, Father Burke perform her ascension ceremony so that she is a full-blown nun, which is essentially a marriage to God. So it's like... Well, and then there's that water fight scene mm-hmm. with which her is, and, and she's Valak. She's baptized and... and yeah. Right. It's, it's very on the nose, as we like to say. But her... Putting the blood of Christ in her mouth and then spitting it at Valak was so dumb. You didn't like that? Can we agree that that was stupid? I liked it. Honestly, I liked it. It's dumb. I think it's symbolic in a way because because of how she's like the chosen one who has these visions and, you know, she's the one who kind of wields the blood of Christ as a weapon and just like her having the blood of Christ inside her for a moment and then expelling it to ward off evil, I think is poetic in a way. Maybe I'm thinking too much into it. Yeah, it's stupid. (laughs) I'm gonna argue. (laughs) First of all, blood of Jesus Christ thing is the deus ex of all deus exes, literally. (laughs) When it did the whole little, uh, the blood of Christ resides in in this abbey thing, I was just like, Oh, God. And then it was just like (laughs) the Virgin Mary points the way. And then it's just Mary pointing at a door. That is obviously a door in the wall. (laughs) It's like some national treasure Da Vinci Code bullshit. Yeah, but where the national (laughs) the people who did the set design for national treasure at least hid the seams. Like you could hide (laughs) where things were. But like the second that they walked into that room. It was dark down there. (laughs) The second they walked into that room, I was like, that's not, that's where it is. That's not a real door. And then they got it. I loved the look of it. I thought the design wise, it was very cool. It's a little reminiscent of a couple of vampire movies. Like, like, like what? It reminds me of Monster Squad a little bit. Um, (laughs) Okay. It also reminds me a little bit of Priest, the movie Priest. Um, I haven't seen just that like one. in the way that it, it's designed and that it was behind a wall that they had to get to and the demon gets his hands on it because it's just like obviously the object itself is not holy right mm-hmm. and in fact if anything its holiness is being dampered by the bauble that it is inside because Valak is able to pick it up and sort of hold on to it as like a gotcha and it's not like the glass is really like <laughs> protecting it yeah i was just like what is so and they make that point to show that like oh he can hold on to the thing and nothing happens so then how was its presence in the abbey holding valak back at all the blood's presence yeah how is the blood's presence holding valak back in the first place because it sort of made I... it seem like it wasn't until they opened the first of all the bombings of the war 
were the thing that reopened the rift. Yeah, I liked that detail because it's like the evil that is symbolized by war and like the dark side of humanity that is represented in war is kind of what unleashed this thing again. Yeah, I just wish it was literally anything else. The bombing... <laughs> Why? <laughs> World War II bombings are... They're so overused as like, oh, the bombs hit something and it unleashed this great evil. Really? All the time. All the time in anime and in television series okay. and in Doctor Who. Okay, but like and- in horror... I feel like in horror movie, yeah, in Doctor Who, yeah, it's like every other episode. But in horror as a genre, I feel like it's a unique kind of thing. I, I like that. I don't know. It, it just it, it adds some historical context that we don't get all the time in these older kind of gothic horror movies. Uh huh. It's okay to disagree. I think this might be the most divisive <laughs> film that we've watched together I, in a while. It's just like I think that the film was really good, but also it. I feel like that's a cliche. It's cliched. That's a cliche that I just can't get over. You know, you watch any of these like Ed and Lorraine conjuring universe movies and they make a big deal out of like these relics that have like a lot of paranormal power to them, whether it is demonic or uh, holy in this case. I think with this one, it's kind of a weak. It's like this is the original relic kind of idea, but just the way that it is presented feels like so cliche. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. The blood of Jesus Christ, like it's a weird addition. It feels like it was just kind of shoehorned and like, oh, what's what, what kept this demon quiet for a while? Oh, the blood of Jesus, you yeah. know? Then why do they got to pray all the time? I, I realize it's, it's probably because like the seal was starting to crack from the bombings, but also like, so they, they had to pray all the time, but also they talk about this with the vow of silence or whatever, the these nuns take a vow of silence from sunset to sunrise. Yeah, dusk till dawn, essentially. They just didn't want to say dusk till dawn because they'd get sued by... Dusk till dawn, by Rodriguez sure. And... <laughs> but then they're praying all night and talking. And mm-hmm. they, they're liter- they literally only come out, like, at night. <laughs> so uh-huh. I don't know what, what was even the point of that. Yeah, because, too, they said that they have to have somebody praying 24-7, right, in front yeah. of the thing. So obviously not everybody's taking the vow. But to be fair, that's also like a thing that Valak was using because we assumed that it doesn't technically have to be real. Well, I don't think. So you think that Valak had some kind of like control over the spirits of the nuns? Do you think that the spirits of the nuns were the spirits of the nuns and not a creation of Valak? Um, that's actually really good. I thought that's a really good question. They were a manipulation. I thought it was Irene's visions. So here's the reason I think that. It's because anytime she, like, sees something that ends up not really being real, like, whether it's a nun or a Valak in the nun getup that is spooky, and then there's this kind of red, you know, this, like, the red lighting mm-hmm. throughout in the castle, and then that kind of, like, goes away whenever she's around Father Burke or whenever it's just, like, there, there's nothing. She's not, like, currently having a vision. So I think that there, there's that lighting that is kind of, to demonstrate she's currently having a vision. Yeah. I think that interpretation makes me enjoy this movie a lot more. Yeah. And I I guess I should probably say, so this is your first time seeing the movie. This is my second or third time. So I I wonder if that changed my interpretation of that. Interesting. Like the lighting and and the the whole, like knowing that she has visions and knowing that the the nuns were not actually there the whole time. I think it could go either way. Because the fake nun thing definitely slowed her down in what they were setting out to do there. So I 
definitely think that you could be right. So yeah, so the nuns could be helping. But then some of them have to be related to Valak because how else would Father Burke have seen the nuns? He never did. He never did? But he talks to... Oh, he does. Yeah, you're right. He only talks to the abbess. Yeah, that's an interesting point then. Yeah, because definitely it's like the nuns are teaching Irene how to hold valak back they are part of her vision because then when she realizes that they're not actually alive that's when we see them and they've got like the crunchy bones and stuff and they get like kind of creepy and that's when they're in you know the underground area where they're looking for the relic yeah that's where like all the all the faceless habits start attacking them so i wonder if that's when valak takes control over their spirits right that, that's the form they take or just the habits even <laughs> yeah he's he's like there's a bunch of clothes laying around here yeah. sister Everyone's act using them. two back in the habit <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg's character is replaced by a demon. Whoopi Goldberg's character is a demon and was the whole time. Oh my god. And that's why uh, when she like, you know, funks up their you know, church choir songs, that's why it's like she's bringing the devil into the music. It's, an, it's a great a, movie. The Nun or Sister Act? Uh, both. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. They're both mediocre. It's fine. There are a couple of lines in this movie that are like super cheesy. And I like I say it's a good movie, but I also recognize that like yes, there is some some camp and some cheese and like so there's like Father Burke and he says there's a time for prayer and a time for action, which I, which is like you know kind of a, a fun little thing. But then you know all leads to when Maurice is getting like choked out by Valak, mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is when you know, he gets like the snake in him, and he takes like some of the the holy blood and smudges it on Valak's forehead, and the line the badass final line is he. <laughs> He goes, I'm French Canadian. And then does it. <laughs> and it's just like, why is this? Yeah. Why is this the line? I like that Sister Irene was played by this real life sister of the woman who played Lorraine Warren. Wait, really? Yeah. Taisha Farmiga is the, is the is Sister Irene. Sisters? Yeah. And Vera Farmiga is Lorraine. They're real life sisters. Oh, there just seems like there's such an age difference there. I thought that the plot was going to take a different direction. I thought it was going to go that Sister Irene rejected the vow of being a nun and that she and Frenchie were going to get together and then have a child and the child was going to be Lorraine. And that's why Lorraine is psychic. Yeah. Huh. Because obviously they look similar. They look really similar because they're sisters. Well, maybe she breaks her vow. And, well, no, because... The timing wouldn't work because they go into they go to the the U.S. and Ed and Lorraine. Oh, it's true. Yeah, uh, they exercise <laughs> Maurice, so obviously that's not what right. happens. But that was kind of what I was hoping hoping to happen because for much of this movie, you know, it, it, the time period is ambiguous. It could have been set fifty years before it was actually set, and that could have been an yeah. interesting plot point. Well, you also have to remember that Lorraine Warren is a real person with a real family history, so I think that maybe they were trying to like Avoid stay away that. from t- touching on that to like. <laughs> <laughs> be like not completely fabricating her existence right you know? yeah obviously but it's so as not to make her seem like a completely fictional character oh my god something just occurred to me do you think that valak was the snake that offered eve the apple no because that was satan <laughs> yeah but what if it was valak but what if it wasn't what if valak's like satan's 
son I think, or I think Valak, younger brother. Valak is <laughs> really close to Phallic, which is why it's... Oh, uh, is that why you're saying Valak? Yeah. Valak. I know, but it's... I don't think, I don't think it's... Say it's it, close to phallic, and I don't want to... Maybe that's intentional. It's a snake, I Matt. think that it is. I do think that it is. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this week's episode of Watch No Evil. This is Matt. And this is Zach. And remember, if you can't make your own blood of Christ, store-bought is fine. I'm French-Canadian. <laughs> so stupid. I thought you were American. <laughs> 